Lord, would you prepare us right now, Father, to be a sanctuary. Lord, we house your Holy Spirit. Father, help us to be a sanctuary, Lord, that is worthy and pleasing to you. Father God, I just pray everything in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. This morning we come to do part three of our five warnings from the book of Hebrews. Today we're looking at babes in the crib, uh, the peril as the author talks about of falling away. There are important things in our life that we need to understand. And our main message or our point we have on the screen this morning is there is a moral obligation to grow in faith. Not growing in your faith can have substantial consequences to your faith. God did not save us to stay sitting on the bench. He did not save us to be bench warmers. He saved us not to be fans, but to be active in the game. And our obligation, we are to grow. He didn't just save us to be there, but for us to grow and to mature. We see all throughout creation that design of God. He created plants. Plants start as little plants. They grow up. They become bigger plants. Our life, we're born as babes and we grow and we mature and we become adults. Well, the same thing is true for our faith. When we come to Christ, we are babes in Christ. We don't know it all. I want us to take your Bibles today and open to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. And once you've turned there, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. Concerning him, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washing and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, And this we will do if God permits. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified of themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame." For ground that drinks the rain, which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those whose sake it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God. 
But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and its ends up being burned. But, beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Father God, would you open our eyes and our ears to you now? Father, would you speak through me your message? And Father, would you allow us to hear you clearly and correctly? Father God, I just pray everything in the precious and the most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. I mentioned to you that in life, we're born as babes. And I think this is probably a cute picture right here. Hey, isn't that a cute little fella? He just, it makes you want to just kind of giggle at that smile. You know, I was trying to find pictures of, of a babe and which one I liked. And I kind of thought he was cute. But I saw this next one. It really made me laugh because something's going on with him. And he just ain't quite there. He's kind of angry. But, you know, as we grow, we're supposed to mature. Take a look at this one. Can you imagine walking into a high school classroom and see a baby sitting at the desk? It would be out of place. We're to grow. You know, someone can be a babe and never mature. This one was kind of cute that was up there. But in realistically, this happens in churches all over the place. People profess to be Christians, and you will meet them later in life that have been sitting in church and year after year after year, and they're no different than the moment Christ saved them. They have not matured in their faith. They've not grown, and we have an obligation to do that. And that's what the writer of Hebrews was writing to these people because they were experiencing what was happening. Because when you come to Christ, there are a few elementary things that must be understood, a few rudimentary things. You've got to understand, number one, that you're a sinner. Secondly, that Christ was born of a virgin, died on the cross for your sin, was buried three days later, rose and ascended and is coming back. And you've got to be willing to put your faith in Christ. There is a lot more to the Christian life than just salvation. And that's what he's writing because if you don't grow then how are you going to understand the fullness of what Christ has done for you? How are you going to understand when difficult time comes that Christ is going to be there for you? For those of you who came to a faith in Christ later in life, you will remember times in your life that difficulty come, maybe a, a death of a family member. And how you had no hope and you didn't understand. Or maybe a, a loss of a job when you were working and you had a family to provide for. How is this going to happen? 
But as a believer who is maturing and growing in faith, you understand that the God of yesterday is the God today. He's the same God he will be tomorrow, that he is there for you, that he loves you. He's going to walk through these difficult times with you. So let's look at what the writer of Hebrews was trying to get them to understand. Let's look there beginning at verse 11, chapter 5. It says, concerning him, who is he talking about him? But in the preceding verses, it's talking about the priest in the order of Melchizedek and what the author of Hebrews is getting ready to do later in the next few chapters is to get the Hebrews to understand the high priest, Jesus Christ, and what his duty and responsibility is. So concerning him, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing, or maybe your Bible says sluggish in hearing. He's talking, remember, to a group of believers. There's some that will try to debate you that maybe they've just heard the word and they wasn't fully believers. But when you look at it in its context and how he's writing, he's writing to believers and they have come and were excited, became Christians, left the Judaism and become Christian. But now they're just kind of there. Difficulty of life comes in. Persecution has happened. This is probably not far before the final destruction of the temple. And what we know is AD 70 when they come in and just destroyed the temple, which was the center aspect of the Jewish faith. It's where the sacrifices were held and where the priests were at. And that's getting ready to be destroyed. And he's wanting the Christians to understand that Christianity in Jesus Christ alone will stand the time. So verse 12, he says, for this, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But soiled food is for the mature, excuse me, solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. He's talking to this group that has been believers for some period of time and he's basically kind of, I don't know if we want to use the word chastising them, but he's saying, come on guys, y'all have been in the faith long enough there's things that we need to move on, things that I need to explain and teach you to understand, but you, instead of being ready, and instead of you should be ready to teach other people these things, you yourself are still needing to be told these things. He's calling them immature in the faith, not immature in their mental capacity, but in their faith, they've not grown or they've come back just a little bit, he said, and instead of being able to enjoy the greater things, you still need milk. Milk, a symbolism of, of a babe. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that my physical body has matured and I can enjoy some good turnip greens, some good fill peas, 
For those of you who like tomatoes, the tomatoes and steak and meat and chicken, the things that we love, the greater things, but they're still milk. Could you imagine if you were still here and all you was drinking was milk? For those of you who like milk, it might be a good thing. But what about other things that are better? That's what he says. It's time for you to let these old things go. Remember, we've talked about these Christians who have converted from Judaism and because of persecution, they're wanting to step back and some of them are wanting to go back into the temple and begin to do the things that they did there because that's what's comfortable and they don't have persecution. A baby likes to be held in its comfort. Have you ever taken a baby and put it out of its comfort zone? Thing is going to scream and it's going to holler and it's going to carry on. But when you put it comfort, it quietens down. But you know, if you always held that baby right here, you know, when that baby got 16, do you know where it would be? Right here. Many times if you had to step back just a little bit, you're still there watching. But they have to grow have to go through persecution. And that's what he's saying. He's saying here that they are still on milk and not the solid food. He talks about those who have become partakers of the Christianity and mature. He says, when you mature, you can discern good and evil. Something very important. Babes in the faith. That's what he was telling them. But he moved from that to basically tell him you need to broaden your faith. Now, hold on there. I know what some of you might be thinking. I don't mean broaden your faith into taking in other religions. We're not going to start studying some Muslim or some Hindu. But broaden your faith in the word. You need to be maturing. Look there, chapter 6, verse 1. It says, therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instructions, but washing and laying on of hands in the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits, for in the case of those who have once been enlightened, and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame for ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled receives a blessing from God, but it yields thorns and thistles. It's worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. He says, okay, guys, it's time to move forward. We can't keep going back and, and laying these foundations. What does he talk about? He says, pressing on to maturity, not laying a foundation of repentance from dead works. They knew, we got to look at two sides here. In Judaism, they would do sacrifices and act 
that they were told to do by God. They would sacrifice an animal for the forgiveness of their sins. When Jesus came, it was a once and for all act of sacrifice, and you have received that. So we don't need to keep going back to the old way of sacrificing animals. And as I always say when I talk about this, praise God, because I don't want to sacrifice animals all day for y'all and for myself. A little bit of blood is enough, but come on. Jesus' blood was the perfect atoning blood. He talks about laying on of hands. You remember in Old Testament time, they would lay on the hand of the scapegoat. Jesus took our sins. We don't have to lay on. We're not going to lay that principle anymore. We use laying on of hands now as a symbol of ordination or setting someone aside for God. And then he talks about the dead and eternal judgment. They knew some about the resurrection of the dead. Jesus Christ was the resurrection of the dead. There is judgment no longer for the believer, so let's not keep hashing that out. He says we've got to, to move on, and he would talk more about those things. But he says, for in the case of one who has been enlightened. Now, here's some words I want us to work through in this verse 4. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift. Those who have been enlightened with the gospel, those who have accepted Christ, Holy Spirit has called them. He has enlightened them and revealed to them. They have become partakers. They've tasted of the heavenly gift. You know what the heavenly gift is? That's our salvation. It comes from nowhere else but Christ. And he says, tasted of the heavenly gift. Not just seen it, but taste it. You know, when you taste it, you experience it to the full. I can tell you all about an egg from a chicken, but until you have tasted it and experienced it, you have not fully understood what a scrambled egg is. What is salvation but something that comes in? So we see here, because they've tasted it, they've become partakers of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come on them. So there is no discussion as to are these believers or are they people who have just heard about it. Because the Holy Spirit does not come and permanently reside in anyone until they accept Christ. And then it says that they have tasted the good word of God. They've experienced the power and they understand that that power is and will come to be. But talking about the believer and then have fallen away. Some of y'all are probably ready to see what pastor's going to say about the Bible saying fall away, aren't you? We don't believe that you can lose your salvation. It's not falling away from salvation. When you look at those verses we just went through talking about the tasting of the heavenly gift and partaking of the Holy Spirit, those are once and for all things, so you don't do that. But these Christians who have not matured but stayed where they are have the scary possibility of failure to walk 
with God. That's the the falling away. Refusal to trust God to deliver them from their present troubles, as one put it. Here they are, a group of believers converted from Judaism are permanent Christians. They are not going to lose their salvation. But because they have refused to mature in their faith, they're at a very scary point because of persecution of stepping back from what they claim they believe. For some, possibly a public announcement that they're going back to Judaism. The persecution was so severe that some of them would say, you know, let me just go back over here and I'll become like everybody else and no one will persecute me and life will be easy. The Christian faith, I'm here to tell you today, is not the easy peasy walk of life that some claim it to be. You've probably heard some, accept Christ and all is good. Give more money, all's good. Everything's coming to you. When I read in New Testament scripture about Paul, Peter, James, and John, they went through persecution. One of them beaten several times within an inch of his life. God didn't say it was going to be easy, but when you grow in your faith, then you understand the creator, he's walking with you. Yes, you can be there and he can get you through those difficult times. You've got to grow and mature and realize that. You know, just like Waylon wants to go and work on monkey bars. You know, the, the first time you hold him close and he'll, he'll get from one to the other, but he's always looking. I mean, if you even begin to move your arms, he just freezes up. But eventually he begins to realize that those monkey bars are there and they're stable. And then maybe you can slowly start to expand your arms out. And before long, he's just, he's going on them on his own. You know why? Because he's grown in his comfort with the stability. As Christians and we mature, seeing how God works and we can broaden our faith to greater things. He says there, and then he gives them an analogy about the ground drinking rain. They were agriculture people. They would understand this. But listen, he gives two descriptions here. He says, for The ground that drinks the rain, which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation, useful to those whose sake it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God. A mature Christian who moves in their faith and produces fruit that God has tilled the ground for receives a blessing. I don't know about you. I like blessings. Amen. I want a blessing. We've got to mature. But then he goes there to verse eight. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed and ends up being burned. Thorns and thistles. Does that ring a bell? Do you remember 
creation story. Genesis chapter 3, you can write it out, look at it later, 17 and 18, talks about after Adam and Eve had sinned, they were put into this most beautiful garden. Perfect. They walked and talked with God. I'm going to take some liberty here. I don't know this. We don't know. Maybe they talked with the animals. I say that just out of curiosity. It was a perfect place. There was no sin. It did not catch them by surprise when the serpent spoke to them. We don't know that. So we're not going to put any faith or weight in that. But they were in a perfect, beautiful garden. There were no thorns or no thistles. Do you know when they came? When they sinned and the curse came that they would then have to toil with sweat and they would have to work hard and there would be thorns and thistles. So here we see, but if a life is built or is yielding sin, it is worthless. Listen to this next word and close to being cursed. You're not going to lose your salvation. You're not going to be cursed. But it says, and in its end, being burned up. The ground is not burned up. Our life and salvation is not burned up. By not being mature believers, there was a possibility of them stepping away from what they did. And do you know when we talk about burned, we think of gold and the refiner's fire. What happens But they take gold, I don't know if y'all have heard this, I think I've shared it, put it in a big pot and they begin to melt the gold. And do you know what happens when they melt the gold? This dark, ugly, black stuff comes to the top. And the refiner will scoop that off and he'll heat it up again. And some more, they call it the dross, will come up and they'll scoop it off again. You know, it's kind of like our life. When we have sin in it, sometimes we have to go through the fire so that God can begin to take that away. Do you know how many times the refiner has to heat that gold up and scoop that stuff off the top? As many times as it takes. Well, how does he know when to stop? Would you like to know that? Because if that's my life and sin in it, and God's got to send me through the fire until he can scrape it all off, how does he know, when does the refiner know that the gold is pure when he can see his reflection in the gold? We're to be a reflection of God, but we cannot do that without growing. So we had the babes in faith and broaden your faith, but a I love how God always shows his love in every story. Three, how about better things to come? Maybe we could say better things are yet to come. Look there at chapter 6, verse 9. But, beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be, there's this word again, sluggish, but imitators of those through faith and patience inherit the promise 
He's basically saying here that there's a possibility if you don't mature when the pressure comes on that you'll just step a little bit to the side. Not going to lose your salvation, but boy, what are they going to miss out on in life by not growing and maturing? And then he said that his desire that each one of them would realize the full assurance of hope until the end. What is our hope? It's our faith in Jesus Christ alone. And until the end, till we're taken and our hope becomes sight, he said, don't be sluggish. This is what you got to do. Take hold of this hope. Got to become imitators of Christ. Better things are yet to come. Found it very interesting. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I took my mom over to her hometown of Bastrop and went to her cousin's funeral. And they said that he always loved talking about God. If you had one word with him, he was going to start talking about God. Well, he was laying there in his camouflage casket with his camouflage clothes on. And when I walked down, there was his arms were crossed over and there was a, a Bible under his arm. And on top of that, there was a fork. Walked back. I took a double glance. I said, Mom, I said, what's the fork for? She says, I don't know, but I bet there's a story to that. Yes, there was a story. The story that goes along with that fork come from a preacher, ma'am. He was a young preacher in a, a town, and there was a, a young lady in his congregation that called him to come by and pay a visit. And she came by, and there he came by, and he was visiting with her, and she told him, Pastor, I've been given the news. I've only got a little while left. To live. She said, Pastor, I would like for you to do my funeral. And he says, Okay, I'll do that. And she began to describe the clothes that she wanted so he could help coordinate that and the music and the verses and everything. They spent quite a while working through all of the details so that when that time come, it would be perfect. And he got ready to leave and he got up and he said, Thank you. He says, I'll begin to put all this together. He says, oh, is there anything else? She said, yes, there's one thing. She says, put a fork in my right hand. He said, okay. I'm sure he kind of looked a little puzzled. She said, I bet that confused you, didn't it? He said, I don't know about confused, but I sure don't understand why you want a fork in your hand. She began to tell him the story of her grandmother would go to, you know, the Baptist eating meetings, those good things that we like, and said they would eat all that fried chicken and mashed potatoes and green beans and everything was there. And she said, before long, as people started to just socialize and visit, the ladies of the church would begin to come by and they would pick up all the plates and they would begin to throw them away. So her grandmother got her plate as a child, and she put everything on there for them. Cup it. And one of the ladies leaned over in her ear and said, Honey, hold on to your fork. The best is yet to come. 
So she put that fork down, new one. The best is yet to come. Peach cobbler and ice cream. Blackberry cobbler and a cast iron skillet. The desserts. The best is yet to come. And she said that had such an impact with me. She says, because I know, Pastor, that the best is yet to come. Sitting there as a young lady facing death, I would say she had matured in her faith because she knew in just a few days the best was yet to come. But if you don't mature in your faith, you don't grow up and realize that the desserts come after unless you've matured enough that you eat the dessert first. But you mature. Why mature? Why go through the difficulty? Because church, the Bible tells us that if you do not mature, there is a chance that you can fall away and not continue to rely on God to get you through the persecution and you will live life forgetting that the best is yet to come. So don't stay the babe in the crib. Don't be the babe in the high school chair. Most of us sitting in this room have been believers long enough that we should be teachers and not just being spoon-fed and drinking milk. May you bow your heads.